so here we are. So hi. Hi. Hi, this is Motherhood on Tap, and I'm Sarah Duncan. I'm Hi, we're here Hi. to drink more beverages and talk about another documentary that has to do with motherhoodness. Yes, and families. And, and families and, and we, children. We still haven't figured out a new tagline or a new. <laughs> Chloe! I put something in our new description box, but I, I don't know if you've had a chance to read it yet. You you tell us who do you think we are? Ooh, that's a good idea. I that I might come to regret asking that. <laughs> we might need to put a poll on our Facebook, like come back to our Facebook and be like, "We're back." Mm-hmm. Let's take a poll on. Well, while we sort out that identity crisis, what are we drinking today? We are drinking an actual beer, Sarah. <gasps> For once, we actually are on tap. No, no, this is probably like our third beer ever. Shut up. Um, it's called <laughs> it's called Shiner Bock, and my husband introduced it to me. He's like, I think I have a beer that you'll like because um, you're not a beer person generally. It's the aftertaste, and like there's certain there's certain things. I don't know if it's the yeast or the hops or something. Mm. It causes my reflux to be really bad, and it's yeah. just like my stomach is like I'll start to drink it, and my stomach's like, nope. <laughs> Mine doesn't do it with all beer, but if there's one night where I drink a lot, mm -hmm. or if I have like a couple of drinks several days in a row, by the time I go to bed on that like third day, my stomach's like, and I hate you. Yeah. No, mine's like within an hour. Um, no. Here we go back. Why up. is your poor body just wired to like attack you at the least provocation? Poor What's thing. What's bad is I made nachos for dinner and I'm just, my tummy's like. <laughs> oh, girl, I ate a couple of uh, greasy spring rolls right before you got oh, here. So hopefully I will not have to make a rapid exit for a bathroom break at some point know. during this rubble 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 but um as he described it to me he's like i don't think it has that aftertaste beer like that you think he's like it's kind of got a he's like he took a sip of my riesling mm -hmm. at the time and he's like it kind of reminds me of like a beer riesling like that was his way and my dad actually introduced it to me because i don't know if you mentioned like way back in the episodes i said my dad's kind of like a beer connoisseur so he will try everything and if it's crap it's crap this looks fantastic but it, it comes it's called shinerbach because it's actually brewed and shipped out of shiner texas Mm-hmm. so hey y'all and the little notes up on the the top part of the bottle say it is gently a gently hopped to medium brown brew. Yes. So that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I for do me. like a good dark beer if I'm gonna drink some. So you ready? You yep. ready to tink? It smells nice and crisp. I keep sniffing it. Tink yes. tink. Ooh, that's nice and light. See? Whoop. Pamela's got head. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of took a swig a little too fast and all the foam came up. <laughs> you caught it though. Good I know. Safe. I saw it and I was like, whoo. <laughs> Do you know about this stupid bro code thing where when guys like toast their beer bottles, they're they can't touch the like where they sip to each other. Otherwise that's like too close to kissing. No. Yeah, it's stupid. I've never observed it. I need to observe Mark with other dudes and see if he subconsciously does that. Yeah, and I think some like really broy, no homo kind of guys like are really intentional about it, but I think other guys is probably like you said, just more 
unconscious like oh yeah tap the side sort of thing i mean i will say my husband's very germaphobic so he probably wouldn't not because it's close to kissing but mm -hmm. he doesn't want your germs on his bottle right and i mean in this day and age that's a good call yeah. just don't do it because you're a homophobic asshole yeah, I don't think he would do that, like, because of the homophobic asshole. There's probably some other people I know that would, though. Speaking of homophobic assholes, who are we talking about today? <laughs> I don't know that she is, but I assume that she is, based on everything that's been described about her. Um, so, we were trying to find a documentary, we just couldn't, like, find, actually, like, we have a list, and the one that we had picked. Yeah, Pamela picked a really awesome one, but then we were like, crap it's not on any any of the streaming services like paid or free anywhere we that we could find everywhere. yeah so she found a century of the queen mother 100 years and 100 minutes and it was re released in the year 2000 so the queen mother mm -hmm. would be queen elizabeth ii's mother yes also name is elizabeth yes and i made a side note here actually two side notes here one and the title's a little ambitious, you know, a little pressure on the video editor here, mm -hmm. you know, a hundred years and a hundred minutes. And actually, <laughs> I'm going to be a stickler to that. Um, it's actually just shy of a hundred minutes. If you look at the tiny thing. On I Amazon. did notice that when I watched it, I'm like, oh, it says an hour and 39 minutes. I'm like, and out in like a few seconds well done yeah exactly yeah. um and then my second note is this documentary is kind of all all over the place so bear with us and uh, i can say this because i'm the one that was like hey why don't we do this one i'll warn you up front the documentary is a little dry and also focuses and talks a lot about people other than the queen mother it's about the full royal family yeah and it just happens to have queen mother in the title at times i think i think it's because i think it's like their influence on her or how she influenced them. them and and all the all the british royal family stories just seem to be all the dramas are like so interwoven with each other and you get and to know about this scandal back in the 40s know what's happening in the 70s and just on and on and on right? and like the queen mother's opinion about things yeah. and anyway that being said i learned a lot about her and I, i've been curious about her ever since i started watching the crown a few years ago yes. because the way she's portrayed in that is sort of a like out of touch flibberty gibbet <laughs> but in the way they described her in this documentary not a flibberty gibbet but still very set in her ways yes like she's still kind of out of touch in some ways but yeah like more consciously so as opposed to like oh dear is there a bustle going on mm -hmm. that sort of thing and then i will say that there's i made one note that is different from the crown in here mm -hmm. so i made one note that i observed so i'm i'm definitely curious to hear what some of your observations are because obvi obviously that is a drama it is not a documentary but it is hard to kind of separate the two when that's how i've seen so much of that person or that character yeah and the thing about the crown these show is that some stuff is public knowledge while other stuff is only through like biographers and like insider sources so mm -hmm. they have to kind of piecemeal some stuff and there's still room within that for director interpretation for the actor's interpretation so it, it could be 
very close to the truth or many standard deviations away from it in this case. So yeah. anyway, so one other complaint I have about this documentary, <laughs> and this is just a Sarah thing. I might agree with Girl, you. Girl, there was like no on-screen text anywhere. Yeah, on-screen text really would have been helpful on some stuff. Give me some dates or something, but I just, I just always love it when we have some good on-screen text to like set the scene. Well, my thing, okay, so here we got flashbacks to a bunch of like different coronations and like different, different mm -hmm. um, events. Yeah, and then they would kind of go with um, King George, that, that's her husband, um, his family, and then they would flip back to her family. And I would just like a little on screen text that say, you know, like the King George's. It's just so many old white people. British people. <laughs> a lot of old white British people. Oh my gosh, they all blend together. They all kind of look the same. <laughs> And they all had the same GD names. Holy crap. Like 50 Edwards and 10 Georges. And several Elizabeths. Several Elizabeths. And don't forget the Marys. Oh my gosh. And it, although it did give me, I did have, have a moment of self-reflection because I was like, man, why are they like, why are so many of the women like naming their children after themselves? That's so confusing. I'm like, oh wait, dudes do that all the time. Sarah, shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's actually really common um, in Europe for mm -hmm. a woman to pass on their name to their daughter as well. They just don't do junior or the second or any of that. Right. I wish I was a junior. Mm. All right. So shall we actually dive in? Yeah. All right. You want to open or you want me to? So I'll, let me, let me set you yeah, up. Set and the I, stage. And I'll set it and you can spike it over the net. Okay. So we start off with a whole lot of descriptions that, that are telling us that Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, is... She is the popular face of the British royalty. And at that time, it's like, in comes... Yeah. <laughs> and in comes a, a, a carriage with her and Princess Diana next to her and the and Prince William and Harry when they were young. And they're doing the, like, the little the wave, wave where the hand barely moves. Mm -hmm. And it's that circle in front of Buckingham Palace, you know, and, like, the horses come in. And, um, you know, Diana's wearing one of those hats with, like, the brim, like, down around her eyes because she really didn't want people to look at her. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Queen, you know, mothers. And the Queen's like, Hello! These Hello, are, world. <laughs> these are my people. Which, as I was looking at the way they wave, so like they have their very stiff tan, and then the way they do it, it almost looks like a Pilates, like how you roll your arms. Yeah, it's like you do do your arm at a right angle, and then you just like barely move your hand in some some variation that you enjoy. Oh, yes. So she is known as the popular face of British royalty. Again, this was filmed in in the year two thousand. Mm -hmm. She has since passed. We'll get to that at the yes. end, but we just wanted to let and you know that now. One quote, and so this whole opening section, we're getting this whole montage of her at these public events, like Pamela said, and her, the the description is just going on and on her and on. Flower shows are her forte, and yes. not only that, she may be a hundred year old woman at this time. <laughs> she can hold her own against the younger royals, like mm -hmm. Prince Charles, and this is. Uh, one quote that I enjoy in particular. She's always a picture of gracious smiles and floating summery frocks. Yes, and her motto is, enjoy, she enjoys herself, she wants to have fun, and have a good time. And Queen Elizabeth has described her as the wonderful mother who never interferes. False. Yeah, 
That's just categorically yeah. not true. <laughs> and then behind her image, she's a tough conservative who is not politically correct, <laughs> but yet manages uh. an extensive public relations stance. But then she admits that she does love a glass of champagne every now and then as a little treat, which then I put as a note, get it, queen mom. Yes. <laughs> I, if she was still around, all that being said, and all the like opinions that we're going to share during this, I, it would be very entertaining to sit down in one of her tiny garden picnics, as we will talk about later. Giant ass castle. Yes. <laughs> Quote unquote. And just, you know, throw back some champagne. So I will say when we were first hearing all this, I was up until a certain point, I was afraid that this was going to be just an overly indulgent puff piece about her. Yes. But then they were like, and she was ultra conservative and politically incorrect. I'm like, there it is. As as they take a snippet of her turning around and smiling with a bunch of young soldiers. (sighs) I'm curious just to hear what my, uh, crowd roaring noises sound like at the other end it probably sounds like a cat having a seizure (laughs) i'll tell you if i have to i can splice it and put in like a like round of applause or something rousing rounding applause you golf clap two fingers gently lightly on the wrist i i hate that we didn't see more pictures of them clapping because i'm sure they they clap in the same manner that they uh wave just like just gently like they, they touch, but probably no noise comes out. I'm like holding it way up to the microphone. So like professional ballerinas, when they jump, they land, but there's no noise. I was never one of those ballerina clomp. Yeah, I was like clomp, clomp. Like Sarah's coming, dum, dum, dum. I was never a good ballerina. Anyway. Hi, so shall we dive into her childhood? Yes. Do you want me to start with where she was born? I actually pulled this off of Wikipedia because I was trying to like follow it. And I was like, oh, they just throw so much information at you in the narration, particularly like it. And it goes by so fast. You're like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Yes. Stop. Stop. Talking. I (laughs) it took me three days to watch this because I continued to get interrupted over and over and over again. And um, so. Her name is Elizabeth Angela Marguerite Bose Lyons. Now, let me just say, I love it. She's got an English name. She's got an Italian name. She's got a French name. Anyway, she was born on August 4th, 1900. She was the ninth child of Claude Bose Lyon, Lord Gam- Glamis. Later, the 14th Earl of Strathmore mm-hmm. and came home in Parage of in Scotland. His wife was Cecilia Cavendish Bentinick. Bentinick? I just said Beatnik in my beatnik. head. <laughs> right. I don't Cavendish think it is, but, but I'm like, I can say Beatnik. That works. Um, her mother was a, dis- a descendant from the British Prime Minister William Cavendish Beatnik, 3rd Duke of Portland, mm. and Governor General of India, Richard Wesley, 1st Marquess Wesley, who was the elder brother of another Prime Minister, Arthur Wells- well- Wellesley, 1st Duke of Wellington. I'm already lost. <laughs> Let me just needless it doesn't to take say, much needless so this is this all goes into she was from a very rich aristocratic family so mm-hmm. she be popular oh she be rich and she be rich she be rich she be connected she be doted on yeah um and her father was 
wasn't really interested in the royal family. Like he, as I said, he originally came from uh, Scott Scottish royalty lineage. Mm -hmm. Um, So he really wasn't like he knew they were aristocrat. They were part of the nobility, but he was like not intermingling with them. And then um, apparently, I didn't get a chance to go back to listen to it. Apparently, her mother lost a child before she was before Elizabeth was born. So when Elizabeth was born. Her mother held on to her and they became extremely tight. And she was honestly a very charming. They kept saying that over. over. She was a you can make a drinking game in this documentary about every time they called her charming. Charming child and she could get away with anything. And they definitely, they everyone, including the family, the servants, everyone like really doted on her just because I think she was kind of, in addition to being a child and a member of the family she was also sort of like you know a little a little bandage over the wound from their other daughter passing mm-hmm. so it's like okay we can't give our child that's passed all of our love but we can give it to this daughter yes yeah so who was still on the throne when elizabeth was born oh shit i forgot to write that down it was king queen, queen victoria. victoria that's right queen that victoria. blew my mind like oh yeah and what I love is Queen Victoria, like, she made it all the way to her diamond jubilee, I, I believe. Think so. Or, no, beyond platinum. I she, forget what goes she, beyond that. She, was, she reigned for 60-some years. Longer than and that. And up until recently was the longest ruling British yeah, monarch. Queen Elizabeth II. Mm-hmm. Um, but Victoria, it was like she celebrated, she had her birthday and then she died mm-hmm. like a week later. Yes, yeah, so uh, her so when she died in 1901, her eldest son ascended to the throne as King Edward the Seventh, yes. along with his quote beautiful wife Queen Alexandra, and then after him came King George the Fifth in 1910 with Queen Mary. With Queen Mary, so we will talk more about them soon. And FYI, there's gonna just uh, some people don't realize this, but monarchs they have a birth name but when they ascend to the throne they the reason they have like such long ass names Mm -hmm. is because they can choose a different name to rule with yeah so the fact that um the current queen queen elizabeth the fact that she kept her same name from when she was a princess to when she became a queen i think it's like unheard of because queen victoria's birth name is Alexandria, Princess mm-hmm. Alexandria of Victoria something else, and she chose Victoria. Yeah, so that was pretty unusual that it, it remained the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's unusual, but they, I truly believe in the crown when she said that, you know, this was the name that my parents gave me. I'm going to keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really could see that she said that. So Elizabeth grows into a beautiful young lady and of course she was still very charming drink Mm -hmm. and had (laughs) the natural ability to make people said this a lot too. She had that ability to make when you were talking, she was talking to you, you felt like you were the Mm -hmm. only person like in the room that she made you feel like you were the center of the universe. Yeah. And her parents during world war one, they opened their home to injured and wounded soldiers. Mm -hmm. And she actually really kind of jumped at the chance to help provide care and company to these soldiers. You know, she would read books to them. She would talk to them. And one of the soldiers even described that, like just her caring nature. Yeah. And in uh, first I was, I kind of thought that the office, they said afterward, a lot of the officers wrote 
letters to Elizabeth. And at first I thought it was like love letters, but it sounds more like she was sort of everyone's younger sister. Like a friend that yeah. just was a good person to chit chat with. And something I noted, poor thing, the First World War broke out on Elizabeth's 14th birthday. Damn. That's a rough birthday. That's a rough birthday. That's a rough birthday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, she being there to comfort the men and help take care of them, it really did kind of give her a, not exactly a look at the front line, but she saw the real impact that the war had on people, both immediately as well as after the fact when people couldn't get work or when their injuries were really holding them back. It It was a real learning experience for her. Yes. All right, so this next section I just have titled, Let's Talk About Some Garbage Fathers. <laughs> I totally missed that. Ugh. I missed that whole section. I, I'm right into when um, Elizabeth meets Princess Mary, but I'm sure I'll remember. So let's talk about I, garbage I will breeze. Like I said, ugh, we we talk about so many damn people in this documentary. So it, I'll, I'll briefly touch on this. So King George V who was on the throne at this time and yeah. oh his, yeah he was an asshole and his yeah. wife queen mary yeah. had six children and king george believed that his children should be afraid of him and they were they yes, definitely yeah. were yeah he was king first in their eyes he was not their father yes. he was their king and his wife completely agreed with that so mm-hmm. apparently george had been afraid of his father and instead of being like mm, no i'm gonna end this cycle of emotional abuse uh, yep, yeah, I'm gonna, I, my children should also fear me. I'm gonna c- keep this good cr- tradition going, so. Oh, you're talking about Ed- from yeah. Edward the Seventh to mm-hmm. King to George the Fifth. Yes, yep. yes. Yep, 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 yep. And I love the one commentator, I didn't catch what her name was, but she just kept describing him. He was just a bad-tempered old culture. <laughs> just really, gr- real grumpy, real de- like, yeah. Yes. That's one word for it. Yeah. And then um, I wrote, I made a note that like all the um, the biographers that they're interviewing have like really captivating accents. Yes. So that's just another side. You, it, just listen to it. I actually would get like drifted off and I'm like, shit, I should be taking they, notes. Let me rewind. They, and everyone is so very British and I love it. I loved every second of it. Yes. They're very just. And, and to say, and I mentioned all this just because uh, George was so kind of intimidating and his children were so afraid of him that several of them developed digestive issues as a result and like that's pretty severe anxiety yes if you're having like physical manifestations of it which that's not great i mean that's what one biographer said was like Uh you know having severe stress is is stomach issues and (laughs) i can attest to that yes and so um of george the fifth's children, Albert or Bertie, was the second oldest son. And as we will soon find, he ends up marrying Elizabeth. Yes. Bertie. And Bertie, I believe he's probably named after Prince Albert, Queen Victoria's husband. Oh, yeah. Because they're all they all the same. And he went by Bertie. Bertie. Yes. All right. So I'll let you pick this back up here because now we start learning about how Elizabeth and Bertie met originally. So Elizabeth and the Princess Mary, so not Queen Mary, they had a daughter named her Mary because nobody can be original. No. And they were a part of, what was it again? Some sort of- Girl Guides. Girl Guides. the European version of Girl Scouts. Right. And from that, they became um, actually really good friends. 
based on just their personalities. I guess their personalities were very similar. And, and Elizabeth even ended up being a bridesmaid in Mary's wedding eventually. Yes. And from that, Princess Mary actually thought she would be a good fit for one of her brothers because she had four of them. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of like, they kind of like just presented Elizabeth to the royal family and be like, let's see like, which brother works. Here. <laughs> like you stand here. I did note about how there were strict protocols when being introduced to the royal family. So first she had to get through King George the, mm -hmm. the fifth first and Queen Mary. Um, and I did note the biographer said that since she was the daughter of an earl, she was quite high on the pecking list. Like yes. that was their words, not ours. Yes. <laughs> pecking list. Um, cause there are many different levels of nobility. Yes. And when princess Mary was dating, dating, I don't know what you call it. Courting, courting maybe her former, uh, her then husband to be, I don't know. They weren't left unchaperoned or anything mm -hmm. like that. Elizabeth didn't really get on as they say it with uh prince david that's the oldest mm -hmm. um or the two younger brothers she really clicked with bertie mm -hmm. i know he i was, just love that nickname he bertie. was very um he was very captivated from her from the beginning yeah and apparently um both elizabeth and bertie's mothers they were both encouraging the relationship because a they thought that they would be like so society-wise a good match for each other but more so just because they just needed to marry their kids off. And am I the only one who knows that they use the word offspring so much in yeah. this documentary? They needed to. And because David was, how do they say it? Like mucking about yes. um, getting married. They needed to at least get the Duke of York, the second prince, married mm -hmm. off in a hurry because they needed to have some offspring. They needed to secure that crown again. Exactly. Um, so. Because David was just shitting the bed, apparently. And we will get, we will get, get to, to it. <laughs> um, and still in the early 20th century, there's, there was, there's, still like a chance for a coup you never know at oh yeah day and age that they could just somebody could come up and be like me next mm -hmm. um, Dips. now i will say that while they were courting um while other suitors were around elizabeth she really enjoyed bertie's company because he was quiet and quite shy mm -hmm. but he was really like loving So he was, um, you know, quite shy, but very loving. Mm -hmm. And he, this made me chuckle because I, I feel for, I feel for um, Elizabeth in this sense. He asked her three times to marry him. The first time she, two times she said no, mm -hmm. uh, but he just kept on like pursuing her. Um, Cause, and the reasons that she said no was that it wasn't because of him. She was just really nervous about taking on a royal role in royal yeah. life and being part of the royal family and, and what all that and rightly meant. so yeah but she really loved him and so she didn't i guess she just knew that if if you know if i let it pass by then that's mm -hmm. it so she accepted the proposal and i'm just gonna interject because my husband asked me three times on the third well the first two he was like he didn't have a ring he was just spur of the moment he's like i think we should get married and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> I can see 
who the spontaneous one is and who the pragmatic one is in the relationship. Like, that's great, but... I love you. Shut up. Just shut it down. And then the next shut time it, it was like in the middle of a really bad fight. Oh, no. And I was just like, I need a break from you. I wasn't breaking up with him. It was mm -hmm. like a total Ross and Rachel, we're on a break um, thing. It was just kind of like, I just needed him to like go out of my sight for a yes. little while. But he interpreted that, you know, I didn't want to ever see him again. And oh. he comes like crawling back into the like room, hands and knees. And he's like, we married me. And I'm like, we just like had this explosive ass fight. How the hell did you get to this? No, this is not how, <laughs> this is not how we mend an argument. Like, I don't want to marry you even more now because we have to figure this out. Um, and I'm like, you don't have a ring. Like this is, yeah. But the spontaneous one was like, after six months of dating, he was like, I just love you so much. I think we should Aww. get married. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm just turned 19. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but thank you. And then by the third <laughs> time, his proposal was very sweet where he said, I don't expect you to marry me right this second, but I can't go on not feeling some sort of commitment to you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, yes. Cheers. <laughs> and then we were engaged for almost like full two full years and took like an act of Congress to get me to marry him. <laughs> anyway, so I feel for her. I know how she feels. But um, and I would say that they're probably the Bertie and Elizabeth were probably the first like like true public royal couple like the newspaper they had a them. lot of fans they had pub like public like the greetings would come at like you know they just love them together they saw them as a very romantic relationship um yeah because despite her earlier trepidation not because of him but because she was maybe a little hesitant to give up her independence she really did love him and they apparently were very much in love with each other and they seemed like a really good yin and yang for each other, where he was very handsome, very fit, but he was also kind of quiet and insecure. And I have a feeling a lot of that probably goes back to his relationship with his father, it yes. sounds like. And he also had a, a stammer, they call it a stammer or a stutter, with yeah. and some health issues. Did you ever see the King's Speech? I have not seen that movie. I've been trying to, like, every time I'm like, I should watch that movie. And then I just. It's pretty good. And uh, yeah. I love it's... Colin first. So I feel like I would love it. But I want to mm -hmm. say that I, I have this further down, but I, I have my own personal story with stuttering and mm -hmm. I totally feel for him, like the whole public speaking thing. And, yeah. Well, yeah. they, they talk about it a lot in that movie about that his, a lot of his stutter did come from his, uh, anxiety and insecurity from his father and that he was trying to really get over this speech challenge just as world war ii was ramping up yeah so like if there was ever a time where he needed to be able to speak confidently in public right it was then yeah yeah <laughs> so they end up getting married and they got married in april of 1923 yes and at this point birdie was the duke of york and elizabeth became her royal highness the duchess of york and she was now the fourth royal lady in the land yes so can i say i love her wedding dress mm -hmm. my wedding dress actually looked 
almost similar to hers. Really? I didn't have all those flowers. Mm -hmm. I had, but I had the square neck and the cinched in kind of corset bodice and Mm -hmm. then it went straight down and I had the medieval like Mm -hmm. floppy sleeves. Oh, pretty. And and they had like little flowers on the inside of the elbow dotted and then I had little flowers dotted around the neckline. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I love that. And then I had a very similar veil that they Uh were talking about, but mine was attached to a tiara, but it went like over my head and Mm -hmm. then down my shoulders because my dress was open back. And so when I saw that, I was like, I like her fashion. Yeah, I feel like one of a couple of the commentators were giving some real shade to her way and just they're like, she made a bold choice. Don't know if we go with that style today. And I'm like, she looks gorgeous and y'all can shut up. And I and they were like, oh, and there was and they were talking about her her veil and like, oh, it was just so suffocating and over her head. And I was just like, I would wear like, that. It was the style. Now shut up. I truly believe that I would have fit right in into the 1920s. So. Yes. And it basically was the British version of, I love that for you, but that's not so much my thing. Or I'm just saying is all. Uh-huh. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So um, I found this next part really interesting because in, in her, the long introduction at the beginning, they talk about how she was really sort of a PR genius, just innately. Mm-hmm. And after leaving for their honeymoon, Elizabeth did an interview for a magazine mm-hmm. and her father-in-law, the king, was apparently not very happy about that. Not just because, not because she did an interview, but because she revealed things that he kind of perceived to be royal secrets like what they ate for breakfast or mm-hmm. what the furniture in Buckingham Palace looked like. I'm like, okay, calm down. You're not like, like the, it was almost like the Royal family needed to be more of an entity, not yes. relatable. It, exactly. Like they, they were supposed to be this like high unreachable, reachable group. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. And like, he didn't, I guess he just didn't like that. They made them kind of too human. So, yeah. Even though the royal family has opened up like little by little over the decades since, the reaction from the king seems to really set the tone for the next 100 years of dealing with the press of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be too open and transparent and available to everyone. And I would say, sadly, very sadly, that the death of Princess Diana Mm -hmm. flipped that script and then 9-11. Yeah. And then after that, it became more modern where mm-hmm. we share some stuff. Yeah. We're open with some stuff. Yeah. Because after Princess Diana, it was almost like a covenant between the press and the royal family of like, you will give us and especially William and Harry more privacy because you all are complicit in their mother's death. Oh, they were totally complicit. Oh, yeah. But I think... And then, but then once they became of age, it sort of started coming back in again. We'll get to that, too. <laughs> I, I love some parallels going on. And oh, yeah. then, the princesses were born. <gasps> and they don't really, like, give too much of a date or details. They were just like, like and first, Elizabeth was born. And then, Margaret! So, Princess Elizabeth Alexandra Mary, who is now Queen Elizabeth II. Um, What I found was funny was that her name is Elizabeth Alexandra Mary, so she would have the same initials as her mother. 
Mm-hmm. You see my face? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, she also has the same first name. Name. She can't yeah. just go by Alexandra. <laughs> anyway, and then there's Margaret Rose, which mm-hmm. the family actually called her Mary Rose. I'm like, dear God, just call her like Margaret. Mm-hmm. Margaret Rose. Princess Margaret. Maggie. Something. God. All these same names. Now, from this point on, when Sarah and I say Queen Elizabeth, we're talking about the Queen Mother. And Princess Elizabeth, we're talking about Queen yeah, Elizabeth II. I'll, I'll, I'll establish yeah. Yeah, who, I, who I'm it's talking about. Ex- this is why it gets it gets confusing. Stop naming your kids after yourselves. Very unique. Yeah. So, but I, I was happy to see that being married to Elizabeth, older Elizabeth, and having children seemed to give Bertie the happy, stable home life that he'd been missing out on as a child yeah and he really broke that cycle of abuse yeah he was like no i'm gonna love and treasure my daughters and they made a point of that like they said that he was involved in their lives um and also i i did make a note that at this point they mentioned that queen elizabeth in the public was known as the smiling duchess because she was the only one out of all of them that would smile and wave hey, and hey like, y'all hey you know, and like all the other duchesses were like such so much freaking austerity i'm going to have the pursed lips this <laughs> duke is so far up one's bum isn't it I have closed my eyes when I did that. When I opened my eyes, I realized me and Sarah were making the same face. Because you said purse lips. I'm like, I want to try I'm so pissed. So, now we start getting into the drama with the abdication. Shun, 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 shun. No pun intended. Shun, shun, shun. Well, I put in here that the documentary moves into the other princesses' relationships and marriages, and I just kind of lost track till I got to Prince yeah. David, who will then become Edward VIII. Yeah, so, so. I skip over a bunch of other people, and now we get to David, the heir to the throne, who in the early 1930s had not married and was kind of known as a bit of a playboy among London's most beautiful women. Yes. Yes. He dated a lot. So, who did he meet in 1933? Wallace Simpson. A.K.A. this bitch. We both take a drink in preparation. (laughs) I don't like to call a woman a bitch, but she's a bitch. I always was a little bit kind of on her side until, at least in this documentary, they describe her and her husband, who she was still married to at the time, as just social climbers. Yes. Of like... Oh, so she, all of this was like a tactical move on her part. You need to watch a documentary that's on Edward VIII and mm-hmm. Wallace Simpson. How they actually befriended Adolf Hitler. And they were actually yeah. um, conspiring. Wallace Simpson introduced them. I guess apparently mm-hmm. she was also banging him at the same time. <laughs> um, introduced them. And Edward was giving, or Prince David or whatever, was funding some of Hitler's mm-hmm. military services because what the, the, the goal was, was that the British out, the UK would fall mm-hmm. 
Edward would be reseated onto the throne with Wallace as his wife, mm-hmm. and he would just be kind of like a puppet king, but really Hitler would be ruling. Ooh. Oh, and, but Wallace Simpson was the one feeding it. Like they share letters on mm-hmm. this. It's on a it's on Netflix. I'm trying to remember what it what it's called. I, I think it's called the Nazi King. Yes, I've I've seen the title card oh, for you it. You need to watch it. You will hate her. Oh. Oh, by the way, while she was doing him and Hitler, she was also doing like two or three other dudes. Not that I'm slut shaming. I'm just saying like she was a social climber. She really didn't love a whole lot of people. She yeah. just wanted to she, get where she needed to go. She definitely used her sexuality as like a, as a, basically as a, a means of a strategy. And then they also noted that she, whenever she latched on to Prince David, she made sure to find a way to alienate him from the rest of the family. Yeah. And while Wallace did eventually fall in love with David, her original motivations were, like we said, were more focused on gaining social power and getting impressive connections. Yeah. She wanted to be queen. So his shenanigans, quote unquote, with Wallace went, were unreported in the press at first, but the royal family knew about it and they definitely did not approve. Yes. And then the Queen Elizabeth, Queen Mother, um, she just, she even noted to a few confidants that it wasn't that she was a divorcee because he actually had dated a couple other women that had been divorced. It mm-hmm. wasn't that. It was her reputation of being a social climber. And she thought that he was just, she was just using him. Mm -hmm. So I was confused. So I, I've never been able to get straight. If like she was legally not qualified to marry him or if the family just didn't approve. So in the Nazi King, they explained that a little bit more. Okay. So to the public, they were saying the Church of England would not recognize him to get married to someone who was previously divorced. Which is the story I'd always heard. Yes. Yeah. And so legally, that's the truth. But behind the scenes, because of all these additional ties to mm-hmm. Nazis, as well as um, some of the South things going on in the South America territories mm-hmm. and stuff... They were like, nah, she's bad news. Because mm-hmm. apparently she also, I don't know if it was Mussolini or someone down. One of those guys. One of those guys. Um, she was also, she had sort of cahoots with them as well. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, no, this is a no. This is just, no, she's not a good person. Is basically what they were trying to say. Yeah. So while they are courting and basically she she's having an affair on her on her then husband with Mm -hmm. david he is still the heir to the throne so by 1935 70 year old king george v yes so so by 1935 70 year old king george v who was david and Bertie's father nailed it the third time he was very sick and so while the issue of David's love life like could be ignored as long as the king was alive and well, the fact that he might not live for much longer started to really make everyone concerned. It's like, we need to have a proper royal family in place and a king and a queen to be ready to basically step up and take take that spot of the monarchy Isn't it interesting that they're not they don't want a, a bachelor king like or or queen yeah like i mean queen elizabeth the first was 
quite the stir when mm-hmm. she said, I'm married to England. Oh, yeah. 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 Isn't it amazing? But yet, I don't know that many. I have to do research, but I don't think that happened often. Um, and again, but, but think about it. It's all about, A, that means that they don't have to worry about anyone marrying into the throne that yes. could potentially topple things. Yes. And also it means that you have someone to create heirs with. Oh, well, yeah, I totally mm-hmm. get it. I'm yeah. just saying it's interesting. Now, yeah. do you want to talk about King George, George V's uh, like premonition from his deathbed or do you want Oh, to yeah. So when King George died in 1936, David then ascended to the throne and became known as King Edward VIII. Yes. But... Before King George passed, he, like, on his deathbed prophesied, my son will ruin himself within 12 months. And then the the, uh, narrator in the documentary said, truthfully, it only took him 11. Which I was like, yeah, I was like, damn. (laughs) So now we talk about some real kind of shade between Elizabeth and Wallace. Elizabeth and Wallace. Sorry. It's really, you're right. It's super confusing. Yes. So, so, Queen, uh, yeah, so Elizabeth would avoid Wallace at all times mm-hmm. that she could, just absolutely ignore her. They actually give a story where they had a dinner party, and Wallace actually opened the doors for them. And was, like, acting like, as hostess. Hostess, and she literally walked right past her, sat next down to King Edward, and just started chatting, and anytime Wallace tried to, like, you know, acknowledge that she was in the room. She completely ignored her. Like she ghosted her out. Yeah. And I think there was even one occasion where I think in front of other people, Wallace was trying to talk to her and she's like, I'm sorry, I came here to have dinner with the king. And then just went back to talking to him like, oh, shade. Yes. Very, very shade. Very shade. So Edward and Wallace's relationship became public over the next yeah, within within the year because it yeah. only took a number of months. Well, they were photographed meeting Adolf Hitler. Oh, that's a rough moment for multiple reasons. Yes. So in the end, Edward was for all the reasons Pamela's already specified politically, but also because of the disapproval of the family. In the end, Edward abdicated the throne so that he could marry Wallace. Yes, and one of the the biographers i love these british people they were like she was your you know typical american she was mm-hmm. cold brash and unapologetic <laughs> i was like and here i am saying sorry for yeah. every five seconds she was a loud broad i'm not slut shaming her i'm just saying like no she, she manipulated a lot of people yes i'm really i want to do an an episode on their relationship for salacious history at some point oh you should girl you should. so much to dig into you need to watch that documentary because it's got some yes. good stuff on it anyway so in 1936 that is when uh prince david and wallace got married and at that moment he became duke of windsor but the Church of England would not recognize their marriage, nor was Wallace given the title of Her Royal Highness. The Queen said that she could refer to herself as the Duchess of York, but no one could her dre- address her as that. So no one could curtsy to her. No one could call her Her Royal Highness. She could not sign her name with that. 
But if she was out somewhere, she could say, I'm the Duchess of York. Yeah, again, just so much British that was a shade. Lot of shade. That yeah. was that's like that really is like just like yeah, you're married to a duke, but who the fuck cares? Like <laughs> literally hitting hitting her in the ass with the door on the way out. Like you're a social climber, but you ain't going anywhere. Mm-mm. And this then, ladder's cut off. And then Bertie became King George the Sixth. But he was not prepared at all for this role at King as King. No, they said he had an ulcer and a stammer basically during this you, whole boy. period. I feel you. Because think of what a huge responsibility this is. And it's not like he saw this coming for his entire life and had been emotionally and mentally and logistically preparing for it. It was just, oh shit. I now have to take on a life and a responsibility that I never thought I would have to. Yeah, and they were saying because David was kind of ho-humming it around and not really Mm -hmm. decided, they started to sort of prepare Bertie and Elizabeth for this life, but they still were kind of like, oh, crap, this is happening. So he was officially crowned King George VI in 1937. And Elizabeth was familiar with her poor husband's struggles. Like, he had a phobia of large crowds. He sometimes stammered. He was shy. And so she really kind of took it upon herself to make sure he didn't crack under the pressure. Mm -hmm. She helped him be confident. And that's one thing I played was, like, she really was, like, his helpmate on that. Can I put a little, can I mention the remark he made about his coronation day? Mm -hmm. So they did say that while he was, while he was shy and very like nervous Mm -hmm. he did have a really good sense of humor so he said that it would he kept the same date of the coronation as it would have been for his brother Mm -hmm. and so he told everybody same date and ceremony but different king (laughs) i Uh, totally missed that it's amazing I, I, i was just like that's hilarious and so you know even though he was shy and he felt awkward and nervous and like you said the ulcer and the stammer he uh he found a way to find some humor but the british people actually loved their new monarchs Mm -hmm. because they had already been a popular royal couple even before all this began so this just kind of helped propel them even further yes and this was actually a televised um no it wasn't televised yet but they were showing images of Queen yeah. Mary. There, there's footage of it, but I don't think it was televised at the time. Because Elizabeth is the, the first yeah. televised. We'll get there. Exactly. Sorry. But Elizabeth and Margaret watched on as their dad, you know, was coronated. Um, he was very shy. He had kind of a crowd phobia. Um, she was actually like that one that I think they said that this is what made her kind of latch on to like being the fashion icon and just because she could like introduce them to the room mm-hmm. and take that pressure away and then he could pick it up from there and speaking of fashion icon um the queen had a long time working relationship with norman hartnell and she is known basically for making a making him famous as a fashion designer and also just over the years, wearing so many different He was pretty much designs. the only thing that she would wear. Yeah, like, and he created these really beautiful, lavish outfits and gowns for her. And they went on a world tour shortly after his coronation. Mm-hmm. And he designed many of the outfits that she wore for that. 
And side note about that trip, I thought it was fascinating that George and Elizabeth were the first reigning monarchs to set foot in North America. Yes. Canada and the U.S. That was, that was like, whoa. Like, they fought a whole war over over they that fought, land. They fought several wars. Don't forget the French-Canadian War. That's the true. War of 1812 and, and no, the Revolution. And, and, and no monarch had ever... I'd be surprised if Monarch ever landed in that hemisphere. <laughs> I don't want to go over there. I'm, I'm too, too bitter. I'm too bitter. <laughs> um, and during that same visit, the Queen and Eleanor Roosevelt became good friends, as did George and FDR. Yes. And let's also make note that that was in June 8th, 1939, because that was on the cusp yes. of World War II. So they actually, it actually, little did they know that that, relationship became a critical ally yes for the war and uh my last note from this pre-war phase is that around this time the ocean liner queen elizabeth ii was dedicated oh yeah mm-hmm. i forgot about that one i missed that point all right now we're on to world war ii and him and his stuttering and his stammer which i oh can we also mention like they they did talk about how he was a very gentle father with his girls and like the hit the dot princess elizabeth and princess margaret actually went with them a lot of places yes and they always kept them by their side okay so which is on. which is why i think it's so strange that like the next generation like was so notoriously hands-off with their children yeah i don't know i think it's just personality is yeah too i don't know possibly Anyway, so Buckingham Palace was actually bombed during World War II, and the war in general was very hard on George, and he notoriously smoked and drank a lot to cope with the stress. I don't think, like, drinking to the point of, like, getting sloppy no, or anything, but that, yeah, they said alcohol was a regular yeah. part of his routine, and I think the smoking in particular was just, like, yeah. that was his way of trying to cope with everything. And that, that's actually shown on the crown, where he's just constantly... When it, with his COPD and, and emphysema yeah, and everything. And, and then Oof. they show them trying to do surgery in the middle of his his court. Not a hospital in the Gosh, middle of Buckingham exactly. Palace. So Elizabeth took care of him as best she could. And she was really the one who was able to calm him down and really ease his worrying and help him keep a sense of humor during this really difficult times. And she continued her tradition from the first world war of visiting and tending to Britain's wounded soldiers, which I thought was awesome. And do you remember what Hitler said about Queen oh, Elizabeth? Yeah. So, girl, what did Hitler have to say about the queen? Uh, she He regarded her as the most dangerous woman in Europe because he didn't like that she was strong-minded, mm-hmm. which I was like, mm. and, and I'm like, get it later. He thought, he thought George may be weak-minded, um, and he felt that maybe she had some power behind the throne, but really she didn't. She was just boosting his confidence, but he didn't like that the public loved her and he Mm -hmm. considered her a threat by her considerable strength of character. And then I wrote fucking Hitler, you evil ass. As if we needed yet another reason to hate you. Yeah. Fuck you. And guess what? Women have strength and it's a good thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> machine gun, middle fingers. Okay. So I found it interesting that the king and queen refused to leave England during the war. Yes, and then she formed knitting circles to help, like, make clothes for the soldiers and everything. And they talk about how they, too, had food rations and clothing coupons, although they later said that she ended up getting, like, more way more clothing coupons than anyone because she still had all these like nice relatively nice hats and coats and stuff and coming were, in and they were like should you really dress up this much and she was like listen if the lower class is coming to see me they would dress up so i should look nice for them too i did think that was nice yeah like, like i shouldn't look like look down on them when they're coming to sit with me and and that reminds me very much about how i was raised of like it's dressing nice isn't a way to be snooty. It's a way of showing respect for whatever event or place you're going to. Of like, I I care about you enough to dress appropriately for yes. this. I care about, enough about your event. I care enough about your mm -hmm. company. Exactly. Yes, yeah. I agree with that too. I thought that was sweet. I was like, oh. And this is the time that she really became known for always wearing hats. Oh, yes. The hats. The hats with woman love feathers. So many ostrich feathers. <laughs> Poor ostriches. <laughs> Could you imagine being the person that had to pluck those? And clean them? Like, they don't come out looking perfect and white and floofy just I by accident. I not think about the cleaning of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> stop and throw up in our mouths. And they also said peacock feathers as well. True. And I was like, oh. Oh, poor babies. Hats with, with feathers really do need to come back in fashion. No, I can no, I would have fun with is, that. My allerg my allergies would just I want America I want fascinators to come into American style. I want hats and I want fascinators. <laughs> I also want the the um the bonnet style hats from the nineteen twenties to come back. Yes, the twenties and thirties were because my head is shaped in such a certain way that those kind of hats actually And you had really... the perfect hair length and hair type for that, too. Yes, I look like that. I, you look if, totes adorbs. Thank you. If I put on a ball cap, though, I look like a road hard. <sighs> oh, girl. Yeah. So did, was I the only one whose heart just was, like, soaring when they showed the clip at the end of the war where the king, the queen, and their daughters, and Winston Churchill come out on the balcony just to, like, deafening cheers. Yes, and they're like, we, we did it. We actually won this thing. Yes, and I love that they had Churchill up there with mm -hmm. them. Yes. And so after the war, they kind of, like, they were still on a diplomatic mission, but they were taking a little bit of, like, downtime. It's, so It's a breather. Yeah, yes. We're coming you, down. I think you earned a breather after World War II. Yes. So they sailed to South Africa, and specifically, they were on a mission to stop apartheid, but unfortunately, they were ultimately unsuccessful. Mm, that still occurred, yes. Yeah, and King George was not in great health in this point, and for all the reasons we said earlier, the smoking, the drinking, the stress from the war, and he had lost a lot of weight yeah, as a result. Yeah, he really, like, they had, like, newsreels and stuff. Yeah, he, he was real really thin. thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that he kind of kept up with the heat, though, which I'm just like, I don't know, when I feel crappy, yeah. I don't know how he did that. And a, and Princess Elizabeth turned 21 during this trip, and she gave um, a rather impressive address, which if mm -hmm. you watch the latest season of The Crown, they mm -hmm. actually show a, a reenact, a, a scene of that. So. Yep. 
Yep. And then when they returned from South Africa, they announced Princess Elizabeth's engagement to Prince Philip of Greece. And this is where the series The Crown begins. Yes. <laughs> to. She, they say that she was in love at first sight and she was even quoted as saying that. Um, Philip was a man's man, even though we learn over time that he's a dick, but you know what? Anyway. And she wore her, her something borrowed at her wedding with her mother's tiara, which had been handed down since the era of Queen, Queen Victoria. Victoria. And we find out later on, as we talk about 50,000 other weddings, that it was worn by several other members of, like, the extended royal family. Well, including her own daughter, Princess Anne. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I will say that my heart melted when they were discussing how close Princess Elizabeth and King George VI were with each other. Mm-hmm. So on her wedding day, he wrote a letter to her, basically saying how proud he was of her and how much he loved her and how it was an honor, not just, you know, being her father, but I'm going to cry, but walking mm-hmm. her down the aisle and just like, just watching her, you know, become this, adult yeah and i started tearing up because i just think about me and my dad i'm just like and at this point too um queen elizabeth was 47 and they're basically like okay she's not going to have any more children at this point so it was pretty much confirmed at that point that Princess Elizabeth will be the next heir to the yeah, throne. Yeah, and the way they said it, it was almost kind of alluded to, like, you know, the change happened, so. <laughs> You're going through the change. A big menopause happened. Gosh. The way that they alluded. But then didn't you think that that's what they were alluding to? Oh, yeah, like, definitely. She's 47. There there obviously wasn't going to be a male heir. And I was like, does anybody talk about, like, she's going through menopause? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, can we just say that? <laughs> Um, so Queen Elizabeth then became a grandmother over the next few years as Prince Charles and Princess Anne were born. Yes. And, and Prince Charles was the boy she didn't have. Mm-hmm. So she very much doted on her grandson. And his father was quite tough on him. Um, he Prince Philip. Du- yeah, Prince Philip. Duke, he was technically Duke of something else at this point. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was Duke of, uh, like, Mountbatten because of yeah. he was descendants of Lord Mountbatten. Yeah. So many titles. But, yeah, he was just very much a man's man where Charles, I think, was a little bit more sensitive and they just did not really understand each other. So the, yeah. the queen mother was very much... She saw a lot of her husband. She saw yes, a lot of George. Exactly. She thought he was a lot like Birdie, and so she tried to kind of comfort and nurture him. Yes. So sadly, the king did eventually die in February of 1952. And Princess Elizabeth returned from a state trip to, to Kenya as Queen Elizabeth II. Yes. Um, and all in the family were shattered by his death, including the Queen Mother. So now that Mm-hmm. Princess Elizabeth now is Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth is now the Queen Mother. So now it'll be easier to keep them straight for the rest of this documentary. <laughs> Yay! Oh, and David, the former king, attended the funeral, but who was not invited? So he was allowed to walk behind the carriage during the uh, funeral procession, but Wallace was not allowed to come. She was not invited. She- want to talk about ghosted she was blockaded <laughs> yes and also and another reason was because elizabeth 
blamed her for the stress and the smoke. Like she, so her and David, yeah. yeah. So she she blamed them both for Bertie dying so young. Yeah, stress of becoming king, knowing that that was not really his disposition to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, He smoked more because of the stress, having to deal with it. Like all of that shortened his life. Mm -hmm. She and probably so and so she blamed them for it and it was over the next few years princess margaret began having an affair with one of the queen mother's staff um peter townsend and this is when the little glimpses of sort of the preconceived notion i had about the like liberty gibbet came out a little Mm -hmm. bit of like she was seemingly the last to know and even when she did she was just like I'm just going to pretend it's not happening and maybe it will go away. Yeah. She's kind of like the penguins in Madagascar. You didn't see anything. I don't see it. I don't, their mind, her mindset was if I don't acknowledge it, it didn't happen. And the real scandal was not that she was dating a member of the staff. It was that Peter Townsend was married Married. at the time. And princess Margaret really wanted to marry him. Like he even got a divorce during the course of their affair, but Princess Margaret ultimately bent to royal disapproval. Well, and then she also, she she decided to um, not marry him based on her own, like, faith with the church and her own decision that it wasn't good. I will say this is different from the crown, because in the crown, Elizabeth tells her, I have to go to my cabinet. I mm-hmm. have to have this approved. Right. And she and Margaret really wants to marry Peter Townsend. It doesn't come across as that. Yeah. She's kind of hemming and hawing it. And then, and then, you know, Queen Elizabeth gets is pregnant again. And she's like, well, you can't announce my engagement at the same time of my pregnancy. Like, that's mm-hmm. just not how it works. Like, you can't trump my good news is basically she's like, yeah, just, she's like, unfortunately, the crown like is more important than the yeah. princess. And so she goes to her cabinet and they were like, well, first off, he was, you know, seeing her when she was married, which then, you know, Elizabeth had no idea talking about Queen Elizabeth, her sister, and was like, say what? And so eventually in on the show, The Crown, she says, you can't marry him. Mm -hmm. So I found it interesting when they said Margaret actually made the decision not to marry him based Mm -hmm. on many different decisions. So, yeah, yeah. And I I feel like we can maybe skim over some of these next sections because it's oh just a God. whole lot of talk about this person didn't do what was traditionally expected and so the queen mother didn't like them. Yeah, well, and then it's like, um, you know, Princess Mar- Margaret eventually did marry in 1960. She married Lord Snowden. It didn't work out. Ended up getting divorced, but she was still fond of her son-in-law even after the fact. Yes, and Margaret took that personally, which honestly I would too. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have my ex-husband over for dinner, but you don't invite me. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then we hear a lot about, you know, the the queen mother's great nieces and nephews and other extended relatives. Like Princess Alexandra's daughter, Marina, was a bit of a wild child and broke with a lot of royal protocols and the big thing was she, she became pregnant out of wedlock marriage. but not just that it's that she made it publicly known that her parents a didn't approve of the pregnancy oh, and, and they B, wanted her to get an abortion wanted her to get an abortion and so the queen mother was not as angry about the pregnancy she was more like 
how dare you show what garbage people your parents are in public? <laughs> uh, gosh. And then her brother, Prince Michael, he ended up giving up his place in line to the throne in order to marry the woman he loved. And she was a commoner. Yeah, a commoner. Baroness Mary Christine something, 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 something. She had a very long name. <laughs> and they I weren't mean, and I they weren't <laughs> I am lost at this point yes. in my notes. They weren't allowed a church wedding since he intended to raise his children as Protestants and she was Catholic. So they became the first royal couple to be married in a registry office. Well they said the Duke and Duchess of Windsor did too, David, right? But they but I but they said that so I Oh it. okay. I, I misinterpreted that. Okay. Yeah. Well so you're probably right, but I'm like they they, they did say the it. church. They did say the church later uh, recognized them. Yes, and then Edward and Wallace continue the or David and Wallace, whatever the fuck his name is at this point. <laughs> they continue to travel the world, and they eventually settle down in Paris. And they're still ostracized by the royal family. And in 1977, he dies, and he was still buried on royal grounds. And they had like sort of a state funeral for him, but. There was no undoing the years of hardship between the families. And I don't believe that Wallace was allowed to come to his like state funeral, was he? Was she? I have no clue. I, I, I didn't remember know. that specifically. I do know that there was a note that they said that the Queen Mother blamed her for the rift between David and Bertie because apparently they didn't really speak anymore after that. Well, see, I I wrote from that section that the Queen Mother is said to have played a huge role in sustaining the rift. Oh, yeah, maybe that's, I just like, heard it wrong. Like, I, like, she's like, there maybe were people who wanted to reconcile, and she was like, no. No. None of that yeah. shit. Ugh, now we're both to Princess Anne getting married, wear the same tiara as her mother. <laughs> marriage, marriage, dress, dress. <laughs> marriage, divorce, marriage. Marriage, divorce. I feel like it's almost like Henry VIII when we come here. So, like, marriage, divorce, marriage. Mm -hmm. No one, no one gets beheaded, beheaded here. We just, you know. Yeah, we just, uh, we just exile them instead. <laughs> Be gone. <laughs> married, divorced, exiled. Married, divorced, <laughs> survived. <laughs> all right, so enter Princess Diana, which was already, you know, if you know anything about that story, you know that it's just toxic. a bottomless pit of toxic uh, relationships and drama. But we really kind of hear the Queen Mother's perspective on it now. So the, oh. so the Queen Mother was actually a big proponent of Charles getting engaged to Diana. She thought that she was a very suitable match for him mm -hmm. and that he really, and she really urged Charles to go after Diana before basically someone else did. Yes. And also the Queen Mother watched her grow up because mm -hmm. her grandmother was part of her court. Yeah. Or something a courtier or whatever. And so she was around Diana most of the time. And I think she, like other members of the royal family, kind of uh, thought that she would be a nice, quiet, obedient, moldable, mo moldable exactly. Yes. A uh, young woman who would make that they could mold into a good queen. But little did they know that Diana would end up being like, um, no, I am my own person. Y'all are really toxic. <laughs> They, um, what I loved is how they said the Queen Mother did not like her being unemotional and unpredictable. Mm -hmm. oh, God forbid you have feelings. She basically was irritated that she didn't just sit quietly and do what she was told. No, and that she 
honestly, like Diana went and, you know, she did publicly trash her marriage to Charles. And, you know, the queen mother was very fond of her grandson. And yeah, that's the thing. Like Charles was equally complicit, but of course she was going to side with him every time. Yes. And there was certain um, resentment towards Diana, even up to her death, like even after they got divorced. Mm-hmm. Um and one thing I did note was that they even said Diana's own grandmother, who was a courtier of the Queen Mother, did not think the marriage was a good idea. But as she put it, the royal's family happiness was more important than anything else, including her own family. And happiness. like, you don't contradict what a member of the royal family wants to happen, basically. Yes. And then... Um, Diana always felt the Queen Mother was the source of the negative comments that she would get. Um, and then the Queen Mother thought Diana was frivolous and not dutiful mm-hmm. in her role. But man, can I get to this part, this one part about Camilla? Do it. And Charles. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, um, first I want to say that Diana and her would have to be seen often in public. And so they would mm-hmm. put on this persona that they really, really liked each other. But really, they just like could not stand each other i'm just imagining them like riding down the carriage like they're smiling and waving at her miss like i hate you i hate you so much you know the bitch waving like like through smiling teeth and then you're a smelly pirate hooker but probably the one thing that i was just like seriously um one of the biographers was like no i don't believe that the queen mother helped him um with his affair with camilla and then one of the people that worked at Balmoral, or no, not Balmoral, the other castle that she... Her, um, basically basically her country house. Her summer house, or whatever yeah. they call that thing. She basically lent it out to them. Yeah. So he would say, I want to see Camilla. So he would go there, and then Camilla would come, and they would use, like, her summer cottage to, you know... As their rendezvous point, yeah. Yeah, and she was totally fine with it. Totally fine with it. She knew he was having an affair, and she was like, "Yeah, get it, son." Yeah, and it's some, I'm sorry, I something. Just, yeah. yeah, that was just like hypocrite. But <laughs> the something that really stuck out to me here that it really, you know, was apparent with Diana and Charles's relationship, but it also played out with you know Princess Anne, who also got divorced, and several and, other people. And Andrew with. Sarah. Yes. Um, she didn't really seem to she was very much of the old fashioned mindset of you stick get married you get married and whether you're happy or not, you stick it out because you have a royal duty and she didn't really understand this whole notion of I'm not happy or this isn't a healthy relationship and I'm going to end it. And so she that was definitely a generational divide between her and some of her grandchildren and great-grandchildren oh yeah she was very upset with all of the divorces that Mm -hmm. happened not like it was unacceptable like how can you get married and have children and then not be happy Mm -hmm. or at least you know smile and suck it up and i I totally disagree i mean i know that she came from that mindset Mm -hmm. i mean you know, she's born in 1900 because your family because this whole extended family is a toxic cesspool but you know, if I were to look, you know, as a mother, if I were to look at my children and see that they were in unhappy, unhappy or even abusive, toxic relationships like that, like even almost coercive control, I say it wrong. I know I'm saying it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you need to get out, sweetie. 
Yes. You need to get out. And I'm here. My yeah. door's open. And again, I keep going back to the crown. I'm sorry. But the the feeling I get from some of the scenes where they actually are sort of giving different couples an out at times, but not really. It's the impression I get is like, all right, you're allowed to have problems, but can you deal with it in the way where like, we don't have to see it or acknowledge it or know or it so, exists. Or so the public doesn't yeah, get wind or just, of it. Yeah, just like, can you... Can you not burden us with the inconvenience of y'all not liking oh, each other? Oh, are you talking about the scene where it's Queen Elizabeth with Prince Philip and the mm-hmm. Queen Mother and then Charles and Diana and they're like, look, we know that you guys hate each other, but can you do something about it? And that's yeah. like all in the in each other's face about it. Yeah. Can like, jeez. Like, y'all, y'all being a, it, it reminds me a lot of when I was doing research on just like a, a brief history of homosexuality, how like someone defined coming out of the closet in certain contexts it's giving people in your life knowledge or about something about you that they wish they you hadn't told them like they they wish that you had not been honest with them because now they have to deal with it uh, oh yeah oh that's awful yeah it's yeah that's an awful thing to say or even give that feeling to another person. Yeah. And it's, it's very similar here where it's like, okay, like, you know, yeah, you don't have to be super happy with each other, but can y'all just deal with it in the way that like, I don't have to make it my problem. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like when I find myself asking a question and I'm like, I'm probably going to wish I hadn't asked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on to a lighter topic. The queen mother loved to spend herself some money. Girl got in debt, too. Girl. Hey, big spender! And even Queen Elizabeth was like, oh, mother, not another dress. Oh, mummy. Mummy, not another dress. Um, so I did... her castle? Gosh. So I did not know this until this documentary. The royal family doesn't pay income tax. Mm-mm. I'm sorry, what? And they're paid actually through... Like, the public basically pays for them and their lifestyle. Yep. Yep. And I I took down the quote, she she doesn't concern herself with money. Yeah, I know. I love that. I love that. She very much seems like just a woman of a different era. Like, she grew up and she really is one of the last, like, great edwardian era ladies yes, and so it was very a very aristocratic it, look and feel and toward the end of her life she had more servants and more staff than any other member of the royal family yes and so what we were talking about the castle she found this random castle right there at the edge of the border of scotland and england and it was a castle that was in ruins. Mm-hmm. And um, she didn't really care that much about money. So she actually, like, refurnished it. Mm-hmm. And one of the biographers was saying that she kept the heat on all year round. Because if she didn't, the wood flooring and all the other things would buckle. Because, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it's very misty there. Um, Even though she would only be there, like, handful of days or weeks out of the yeah, year like if you added it all up i think they said it was going to be it would be like two or three months out of the whole year and mm-hmm. the bills were just astronomical about running the central heat because let me tell you girl castles are not easy to insulate <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you how physics works 
thermodynamics. I'm not really smart when it comes to science, but I totally I do know that. that. I do know that. I do know because I, I have an older home that wasn't very insulated well in the past few years. I've had to pay some astronomical bills, you know. It's just awful. It's, it's a $700 bill that you're not Ooh. expecting. Ooh. Oh, girl. Yes. I've got to cock some stuff. Oh, no. We fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> this year it was only like I opened it up and it was like two ninety five. I'm like, like, oh, thank God. <laughs> but her extravagant spending did kind of catch up with her eventually. So she ended up in debt. And I think I saw in like Wikipedia that it was like a several million in debt. Very million. Like her daughter's still paying on it. Yeah. But part of it was also because she put several million into trust for her grandchildren. Uh, especially, especially William and Harry. Yes. And so that was, you know, a loophole to avoid inheritance tax. And also any, I, I'll, I mentioned this later on in the stuff that came after the documentary ended. But we finished up in the last few minutes with uh, her London home in at a Clarence house, house. Which I noted was not big enough to house all of her clothes. They had to put mm -hmm. that in a separate location. Because apparently, not only does she like to collect many things, she never gets rid of anything either. <laughs> just Dude, I would love to just walk through the entire collection of her clothing. That's got to be fascinating. Like, start from her, like, wedding dress down. Just whole oh. room of ostrich feathers. <laughs> it's so fluffy. You can go down to the feathers. I'm going to go down to the 1920s garb. And, and just roll in it. Roll into the, the satin, <laughs> put on the hat. Um, and this is where they also noted that she had a hard time with her grandchildren not being happy with marriages and then yeah. having divorced. Um, and then also said that she was uh, she lived longer as a widow than she did a married woman. Mm -hmm. um, and she might quite possibly be the reason that England still had a monarchy. You know, a yeah. face, like a like older generation remembers her sense of duty during World yes. War Two and stuff. Um, there was one thing that she stated, or one of the biographers stated that after she passes on, mm -hmm. monarchy might start to pull away publicly a little bit more. And also kind of like pare down pare and down modernize. And yeah. Which that I noted that, so then it, it ends with that. It, it says, you know. I think they put this out for her birthday, her 100th birthday, because it came Makes out in 2000. Yeah. Because um, at the end, they were like, you know, the, the queen mother, this mm -hmm. is your life kind of thing at the end. Da -da -da. That's how it ends with some cheesy music. So what did you find for the stuff that happened after the documentary ended? So um, the Queen Mother died on March 30th, 2002, at and she was 101 years old. Um, and as I mentioned, like they were talking about pulling back. And truly, it's the truth as the, they're becoming more modern. They start, they're starting to trim down their, um, their duties, their royal duties um i didn't really go deep into wikipedia on this part did you 
a little bit after she died? Um, I mostly, I just copied one paragraph. Um, and this isn't all a quote. It says, under an agreement reached in 1993, property passing from monarch to monarch is exempt from inheritance tax, mm -hmm. as is property passing from the consort of a former monarch to the current monarch. So they would have, so when her items passed to her daughter, Queen Elizabeth, um, they would have had an estimated uh, tax liability of about uh, 28 million, million euros, mm -hmm. but that was not incurred because they didn't have to pay it as monarchs. Mm -hmm. yes. um, the most important pieces of her art were transferred to the royal collection by Elizabeth II. Following her death, the queen successfully applied to the high court so that the detail, details of her mother's will would be kept secret. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much all I was able to get. So one other thing that I do know, just because I don't know why my family's always been fascinated with the royals. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I find it fascinating too. So I mean, I don't like follow it religiously, but I did find it interesting that when William was coming up and he was getting very serious with Kate Middleton, mm -hmm. uh, Parliament came to session and they decided to do. Um, they passed a reform to the Royal Marriages Act of 1772, mm -hmm. allowing him to marry a commoner, mm -hmm. you know, not having a royal title. Mm -hmm. And then after they were married, they changed, oh, I'm going to say it wrong, primogenitor, you know, where it's, it has to, the, the inheritance, the heir to the throne must be a boy mm -hmm. first. Okay. But now they remove that. So if their first child, if, Charlotte was born first before Prince George, then mm -hmm. she would have been the heir to the throne. Gotcha. They changed that instead of it. I do remember that instead of it being uh, entirely patriarchy. Yes. Now, that being said, Prince Harry still needed to get the Queen's permission to marry Meghan Markle because she was American. Mm -hmm. That's the only difference. That's the only reason that he had to get the permission mm -hmm. for that. But um, that being said, um, because that way they don't want Prince William to get to advocate the throne, you know, because uh -huh. they knew he that he was getting really serious with Kate. And actually, Queen Elizabeth went to Parliament and was like, you know, she can't tell them how to make the laws, mm -hmm. but she can suggest and stuff. And so she went and she's just like, my grandson, I think he he's head over heels for this girl. I think he wants to marry her. Can we do something about this? Yeah, and that just makes sense to me because instead of like upending everything just because of technicalities, as long as they want to marry a good person, yeah, to me that's way more important. And I think that's where she learned from her mistake with Charles and Diana mm -hmm. was he loves her. Yeah. Let's make this happen. Yes. Um, and then <laughs> uh, Prince Charles and Camilla – were married. Was it two thousand five? Mm. I believe something. No, <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> just like I, I wanted to have sympathy for Charles just because, again, it's like he had such a tough relationship with his dad, and it's a difficult environment to grow up in. But I'm like, no, he's just a selfish dick. Yeah. So two thousand five. Um, yeah, so I know on The Crown they're saying that they really, like, drama, they really, like, put it over the edge with his anger and stuff, but I've seen enough documentaries, I've read enough, um, 
snippets of interviews with Princess Diana to believe that what they have for the crown for season four is the absolute truth, that he Mm -hmm. was jealous of her, that he really just wanted her to be a puppet and Mm -hmm. let her let him have his affair. Um, It really pissed me off that we are in the 1980s and it's like, well, if he's going to have an affair, I'm going to have an affair. And then she gets called out for it. Oh, yeah. And he was like, you don't get to have an affair. And then he puts a tail on her. He, mm-hmm. like, has surveillance on her. And then the minute she slips up, he's like, oh, you missed, you slipped up again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but you're sleeping. Like, she is. Yeah. And, yeah, I just. Mm-hmm. He even tried to, like, get her and Camilla to be friends at one point. Oh, yeah, that's a disgusting that's a disgusting part of the episode. And that was true, too. The lunch mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, they were married in 2005. And she is known as the Duchess of Cornwall. She is not the Princess of Wales. Um, Cornwall upon anus. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of that, but it seems appropriate. But she is not referred to as Her Royal Highness either. Hepburn. So, she is only the Duchess of Cornwall. Um... She will, I guess when he descends the throne, she will be known as Queen Consort, but she won't be fully queen. Am I, is it true that there has been, there have been rumors of just like skipping over Charles entirely and going straight to William? There have been lots of talk of that. Tons of talk of that. Many of the British people want that. Many of the younger people. Like our age, yeah, you know, mid thirties, forties, even fifties, mm-hmm. because they feel like, I mean, he's already well into his seventies and they're like, how old is he going to last to? Yeah. Like you why, know? why have so many different transitions of power? Like, let's have a young king. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also read that Charles is not going to let that happen over his dead body. He has waited this long to be king. He will. I want to be king. I want to be the, oh my God. Gosh, he's such a petty little ass. Basically, that's it, is that he will not pass that on to William because he's waited this long. And what I love is, like, they they keep... I've read something, too, where... I I giggle because I just... I watch The Crown, and then the stuff that I've read, it's like, yeah, now I totally get it. Um, That she has... So Queen Elizabeth II has thought about retiring several times, like not mm-hmm. like not I mean abdicating technically, but just retiring, yeah, and passing it on to Charles. But because of his attitude and his pettiness, the shit with Diana mm-hmm. and then Diana passing, and then he gets married to Camilla. She's like, oh hell no, I'm not leaving mm-hmm. because she knows how bad he wants it. And how bad, and she's, he's just been, She's like, he's going to make it a shit show. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of like punishment, like mm-hmm. a mother's punishment. Like, I know you want it this bad. Mm-hmm. But, hmm. Yeah. 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 Kind of a dick. Yeah. 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 The end. <laughs> da, 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 da. And poor uh, Princess Diana died yeah. in 1996 in a car accident in Paris, France. Uh-huh. Uh, she was 37 years old, and last year it was the 25th anniversary. And I was actually 37 uh, last year, so that wow. was very hard for me. Oh, so freaking young. I'm like, wow, I'm the age that she was when she died, and I have three young kids. Um, would you recommend this documentary? If you like the Royals, yes. 
but as you said, it's very dry. So this is yeah. not like you get your popcorn and you snuggle in with your PJs. This is like if you're doing, I will, I will recommend this. If you're listening and your kids have like a report to do on the royal mm-hmm. family, watch this. Yes, it. In my in my opinion, the downfall was that it had to be that 100 minutes was in the title because <laughs> I think if they made it like even just 20 minutes shorter and they cut out a bunch of the stuff about other people yeah. it would be a much tighter concise t- recounting of just her life also as I said in the beginning it jumps all over the place uh-huh. like one minute we're going um with them mm-hmm. you know her and Birdie and then it's like after Birdie dies it's like oh well let's go to Birdie's family and who all they married and what kids they had and what did their kids do? Oh, now let's go back to, to Elizabeth's family yeah. and who they married. <laughs> it really is like the the people who watch Game of Thrones with like a whole family tree in front of them in order to keep everything straight. Like you really do need that for this. It requires visual aids. Like what? That's where, uh, that's why I said on screen text really would have helped if it was like, now we're going to the, cause at one point they were like birdie brother. And I was like, and again, they're, they all have the same damn names. And they all, so all the pictures, I mean, up until a certain point, all the pictures are black and white. So they all look the freaking same. And I mean, they're all, the and same. even when they're in color, they're all pasty, frail Brits. <laughs> How much variety? I am very sorry to our British listeners. I'm just, I'm a pasty, I'm a descendant of a pasty. I'm from Lithuania. I think we get tans. <laughs> no. Hey, I'm a mixture of Germanic, Irish, and Welsh blood. So. Lithuanian, German, Irish, a little bit of English. I have a little indigenous in me as well. I would say, and I have like two drops of Native American in me somewhere. Yeah, I know. I get the, I got the brown eyes, and that's about it. (laughs) I didn't get the the brown eyes. I got the blue eyes, but I got the the uh, the um just like the pointy, distinguished nose or whatever. Somebody Mm -hmm. told me in the jawline. Mm. I don't know. All I know is that I come from stock of very angry blood. <laughs> you got the Germans. You got the Irish. Do you, you have Italian Welsh. in you, though? No, but I feel like I do. I really want to take those tests because I could eat Italian and Mediterranean food all damn day. And you gesture with your hands a lot. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a bello. <laughs> it's a Mario. It, it, it. Hop, little plumber, hop, hop. <laughs> I'm coming to help you, Princess Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Luigi. Oh, now that we've shown what what culturally ignorant assholes we are. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Did you like your beer? Do you recommend it? I do recommend the beer. It's it's a really good one for summer because it's just yes. nice and light. And it has, it, the flavor doesn't smack you in the face. It's just nice and refreshing. It's great. Yes, my husband likes it with a steak. I think this would be really good with a burger. Like a juicy, thick burger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shinerbach. Recommend. Yes. Big time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, All right. we'll be back next time with some documentary that is related to motherhood, parenting, family, life, family, something. children. Something. Hopefully it won't be super depressing. We'll see. Yeah. We're trying not to do depressing. There's so many depressing ones out there, though. Good gosh. Yeah, every time we read a title and we're like, oh, this doesn't sound depressing. And then it's like 30 minutes in. I like text Sarah and I'm like, damn. 
It's getting real. <laughs> well, on that cheerful note, I'm Sarah Duncan. I'm Pamela Walker-Dees. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Our theme music is by Yov Aliagon. Be sure to check out the Motherhood on Tap page on Facebook. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really helps to get the word out about the show. You can subscribe and follow Motherhood on Tap on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most other podcast apps. If you have questions or funny stories, you can email us at motherhoodontap at gmail.com. Partner with us on Patreon.com for special bonus episodes and help keep this podcast and the two of us in business. Till Til next, next time. time.